Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Be Legendary podcast. This is the live Q and A. Yay! Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'll just put in some some cheering noises. Yes, put in some crowd cheering noises here. So put in some children cheering noises. Here. Some children, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's, like yay! yay! Made it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the between live Q&A that we do between the seasons and we're in between season two and three right now mm -hmm. frantically frantically working on season three and it's uh, gonna be good yes it's gonna be so good i did preview a little bit of the trailer to the people who are watching me live edit and uh got some good responses so far Excited for it. I'm, I'm excited for hear what people think about the trailer. I, we worked so hard on it. It was uh, it was such a good. I'm really excited for it. So I really I'm not, not I'm not gonna spoil anything. I just really liked how it ended and how it how when we were writing it, Chris, how you would like you did you, it on you, accident. You did it on you did it completely on accident when we were writing it out. You had the line. You had the la the last the last couplet. You had just written in like a uh, like a stand-in, and then we realized, oh, that rhymes perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And I was just just like cut this here, and boom, done, <laughs> done. <laughs> hey, I'm um amazing. I'm, you did that on purpose. What can, yes, what can I say? I am fantastic, and uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we'll go, we'll go with that. So uh, there's still a lot of work that we need to do. My timeline is basically everything that's extra is getting done this month, which I had to, I had to, I don't know if anybody knows, I had to do a 12 day work week at work. Oofta. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty brutal. It was brutal. So I'm just coming off of that, but I'm going to hopefully get more, mm -hmm. more get, stuff done. Get back to work podcast. Like. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then all of September is going to be spent uh, actually doing the episodes. Mm -hmm. So, which reminds me, guess what we still have to do? The opening. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, huh, like, we yeah. should, we should write the opening. Okay. Cause it's yeah. going to be in the same style as the trailer sort of, except for it's going to be yeah. everybody. Oh, I should probably explain the get back to work podcast slave joke that we, that I keep dropping. Because, I mean, I think they know it's... Well, okay, uh, but there's a there's a story to it. Can I tell the story? You can tell the story. Okay, so Chris likes mugs a lot. And so when I want to surprise them, I'll get them a mug. There was one that was like, you're doing a great job or something like that. And I didn't get that one because I was like, I didn't want it to be like, good job. Now get back to work, podcast slave. <laughs> And then I was like, or something like that. And then I was like, I'm going to go on Redbubble and make a mug that says get back to work podcast slave and buy it for you. <laughs> I'm very particular about my mugs, though. So yeah. um, I have a very specific. It's not I can't just be any mug. Like we went to the Hamilton play when it was in town this winter. It was our Christmas present uh, from it was um, amazing from your mom. And we were like, oh, we need to get like something. So we got a shot glass and a mug. We don't use the mug. 
it's it's it's, it's a generic mug with Hamilton on it, and it's yeah. like the most unimpressive thing. And I'm like, I don't know why we bought this, but I'm sure somebody's gonna like because it the lady was was very nice, and she was very upsold nice. us on that tote that cost too much money. And, I know and it's okay because I've got a a shot glass that says I'm not throwing away my shot. Yes, that's the only, <laughs> that was the only good purchasing made. Yes. Oh, I like the tote bag too. But. Yeah, the Hamilton tote. Yeah, they were way too expensive. But yeah. anyway, they were like, "Do you want to add a tote for ten dollars?" And I was like, "No, bag it up." <laughs> do i know am i yes so we have some questions we have a channel if you don't know on our patreon or patreon on our discord if you're not on our discord people in the future that are not actually listening to this live um we have got the coolest bunch of people on discord and you should join them and come hang out yeah it's a party Yes, it is a party. It's really cool. And I've been seeing some awesome support with yeah. like among the community mm-hmm. uh, for other members and stuff recently. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you need a place, if you need a safe space to just talk about stuff, we've got a channel that's that's just for, it's called Support for the Heavy Stuff. And it's really great for people that just need to get stuff off their chest or get support for what they're going through in their lives. And yeah, it's great. Y'all, oh. y'all should be there. We've also got other stuff that has is non podcast related. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of there's lots of food that gets posted. Yeah, well, we, a bunch of us are like are like closeted foodies or like really into food, so we po- that channel gets a lot of stuff. Actually, I just like, I just like eating. That's like my favorite thing to do. Pets gets a lot of love too. Pets yeah, get a lot of love. The, the pets photos. Recently, the stuff we like to do is that what it's called? I can't even remember our own track. The stuff we do and like. Yes, that's it. That ch- that thing got a lot of uh, attention because somebody asked me. Oh to right, the love like where do you start with Lovecraft? And I'm like, oh, here, let me show you some of my favorites, which turned into wait for it, ten pages, <laughs> ten pages of recommendations and descriptions and and possible trigger warnings and ooh, Lovecraft Country starts tonight. Lovecraft Country starts tonight. But the point, the the is it good? The, me from the future. The takeaway from that is, do not ask me any recommendations at all because you will get, you know, my hyper focus will get activated. Mm-hmm. Triggered is a bad word, but my hyper focus will get activated, and you will get you will get a book. So um, <laughs> I apologize. Okay, so actually into the. The questions. We're going to start with the ones that were on the Ask Me Anything crew. We've got another one that's Q&A for like specifically for the characters, but people kind of just stay on one. So we'll just start with that. Uh, first and foremost, Shoral asked, I have some questions about how you approach the trial. Since a lot of the trial is dealing with NPCs talking to other NPCs, how did you manage to keep your characters engaged and have agency? That one's to you, I'm guessing. I think it's to all of us because it's also kind of like since I'm talking to myself a lot, how did you two keep your like how did the two of you keep yourselves engaged? Can I can I spoil how we did the trial? We well, I mean, it's already out the, how we did it. So. We had an outline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of you who didn't listen to, which is totally fine, um, if you didn't listen to the the le- the let's be expository episodes, y- yeah, the retrospectives, the retrospectives, um, we kind of explained how we did the trial. And for those of you who don't know, um, we did it once. We did it once, and it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> um, a lot of that fell on me, and how I, that my DMing style is a lot of improv. I 
prepared almost nothing for it and went into it just like, yeah, I watched Law and Order. I can, I can do dun dun. I can do this. I can do this without without preparing anything. I know how it goes. And it 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 went bad. It went it went really bad. Um, Especially because you're dealing with a lawyer's daughter. Yeah, that too. But also, it was just anticlimactic and the way I was doing it and. That was the part that kind of stuck with me. It's like, yeah. it's been building up to all of this, and we get there, and... You know, and I'm waiting, like, all right, when's the other shoe going to drop? Yeah. And yeah, I think at one point, we kind of, like, <laughs> like y- y'all just kind of stopped the game, and we're like, Megzy, this is it. Well, because I, like, it was between scenes, because Molly and I kind of discuss things. Um, I can keep pretty well not in the uh, metagamey uh-huh. type thing, so I was discussing, it's like, what's going on with this? And you were telling me, it's like, yeah, this is it. It's supposed to be an easy win. And it's like, it fell so freaking flat. Yeah, it really did. I, I remember coming to you guys about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, no, I think we're like, hey, we should have a, we should have a meeting. And you're like, yes, let's have a meeting. Yeah. And we all sat down. It's like, so who wants to start? And I think it was yeah. one of those, like, everybody went, so that was bad. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, I was think, bad. I, I think you, Chris, you and I had talked about it. Like, was that kind of a weird game? And you were like, yeah. Yeah. And so we kind of sat down and no, we're like, Molly, yeah. how do you feel about this? Because if you were like, oh, that went great. It's like, okay, this is our problem. We just got to deal with it. But then you're no. like, oh, I hated it. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. All right. Let's, so let's, let's think about this. And that was the first time, I think we talked about this in the, in the retrospective, but it was the first time that we really sat down and kind of collaborated. Like there was still quite a bit of improv mm-hmm. involved in it, but um, there, yes, there still was, including my favorite, my my personal favorite part of it, which was closing arguments. And I improved Felicia's closing argument off the top of my head. It was so good. I loved it. It was so much fun. I think when I think in in regards to that question is when we outlined it, we were very vague about. Like we had specifics in there, like when Felicia was going to say objection, um, when Turn was going to say objection, the events of what ha- like what led up to things. But as far as our reactions, I think we only put in a couple mm-hmm. because there were certain reactions that were going to elicit a very certain response. But so those certain responses were just judge reacts or this person reacts and Mm -hmm. if i remember correctly when we were actually writing the outline we were kind of going through it and like you were saying what was going to happen i would be like oh turn would object to that right yeah you 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 were helping you were helping a lot with the lawyer speak of it too a lot of things got cut out even in the in the recording of of me being like objection relevance yeah Mm -hmm. and so i was just i was like backseat lawyering the whole time but so uh, i don't know I mean, I'm, I edited the thing, but I was so engaged with everything that happened during that trial that while from an outsider's perspective, I can see how someone would be like, Molly is literally talking to herself like the whole day, like most of the time with us, like having little quips, but we were engaged with the process from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, even though it went on behind the scenes, we were able to be engaged because we worked out how we were going to do it. And it never felt like Molly was just putting on her own little private play Mm -hmm. that we would sometimes make noises or because we were still very nervous. It was for some reason we still had nervous energy, even though we knew how it was going to turn out. So every now and then we would make these jokes. Oh my God, there were, we were so, we get, we get really, 
giggly when we're anxious. And I think we were also like excited because we just knew this trial was going to be awesome as yeah. far as like we're just making good TV. And also just nervous because it was like, haha, we're on trial for murder. So it was a lot <laughs> of stuff. And so there were all kinds of jokes. Like there were lots of like me making air horn noises that got cut yeah. out. Like, wah, wah. And like, it was funny at the time, but I'm just like, this is while ruining, we were. This is completely ruining the tension, which is the, the point of nervous jokes like that to keep you yeah. Yeah. calm while you're doing it. But uh, let's see. Sarah says, uh, "I honestly don't even think about when I'm when I'm listening. I hear the different characters as different, even though it's Molly talking. That is a good point. Like you do a good job separating which character is talking, so it doesn't feel like you're talking to yourself. Yeah. Like and and that's that's kind of just a DM skill, I think. That was a, that was something I was gonna uh, come up to as my response to the question is in 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 addition to the outline that we had so i knew the beats of what was going to happen so i knew who would who whose turn it was to talk essentially mm -hmm. i i would occasionally pause and take a second to switch into another headspace switch, like like shift gears in a in a car yeah and like i said during the um the retrospective the retrospective the retrospective for season 2 I sometimes mess it up, and you can you can hear that a little bit sometimes when Felicia will start talking with like turns accent or vice vice versa. It wasn't it wasn't as noticeable as you would as yeah. you would think. You can kind of because their inflections you're, are different. You're probably noticing it a lot more than anybody else does because yeah. you can tell like oh that was supposed to be a different voice, but it was separated out so well and edited so well too. I'd like to say, Chris, that between those two things. I certainly couldn't tell. Like I, like you'd have to point it out to me, like where mm -hmm. where you didn't quite get that gear shift right. It wasn't enough that like it just like it, it took you out of the scene. I want to say at least I think it didn't. Yeah, I would hope not. Yeah, I don't think so. At least that was for. Me. I don't know. I was just there. I was only there. <laughs> also, Sarah said this. Um, I'm so proud of you all for being able to see that and to go back and do it over. Like, yeah, you're playing a game, but you're also making a story, and I appreciate that effort. Yeah, that was the first time, like I've said, is that we realized that we could be a little bit more collaborative and kind of come to you with ideas, Molly. And I think that's about when we actually started, like, um, calling post-game meetings. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when we play a game, we don't really get to review, like, okay, how's Talia feeling? How's Celine feeling? <laughs> How is Celine, how is Megzi feeling about where we are? How is Chris feeling about where we are? How is Molly feeling about this thing overall? Mm -hmm. So, And I feel like that's another thing that separates this from a, just the average D&D &D game where we are able to have that discussion because if this was just a normal D&D &D game, it, I feel like a lot of D&D &D games kind of just have like the DM and their story, the characters are interacting with it, but there isn't a lot of communication back and forth. At least that, that's been my experience mm -hmm. before before this, that there isn't a whole lot of communication back and forth between the players and the DM as far as like, so how, how, how does Talia feel now that she's gotten her vengeance? Yeah. And... But at the same, but the reason we do it here is because it's almost necessary as we're going forward and telling a story together. This isn't just a D and D game. Yeah, we. The, I mean, we've said that over and over again, but like it, it bears repeating that it's like we get. Yes, this is a D and D game. That's the vessel of what we're using to tell this story. But at the end of the day, 
it is a story for yeah. an audience. Yeah. I th- but I also think that speaks to what a, like, you as a DM, Molly, because I feel like a lot of DMs are so con- so, so focused on what they're doing that whatever their players are doing is kind of second to whatever they've got going on with their with their story. So I think that speaks to just kind of how accommodating you are as a DM. So good job. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that that's just like some DMs are very like, I've got a story and you guys are just playing in my world. And then there's other DMs who, you know, are just like, I have a story, but give me your stuff so I can like incorporate it. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of runs the game. And then there's Molly who's like, <laughs> I've got a world. What you want to do with it? Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you can cut this out because it's going to be a little bit of a tangent, but I remember seeing a thread on Reddit, which yeah, that's a great way to start something about, <laughs> about people, DMs just complaining about when their players give them complex backstories. Oh my right? fucking God. I, I don't understand that. But I, I mean, I can understand it if you're the type of DM that just wants to like run something that you're gonna kill things like no backstory needed no 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 this was these were people complaining about like (laughs) how dare these players come in and try to take over my story this is the me show and i'm like wow (laughs) assholes yeah you know some dms i've met those people that's why i don't i can't like go to random games at conventions and shit like that because i'm like these are the people that show that like in my experience anyway Mm -hmm. those are the people that show up and do that so i'm just like nah I, I don't I don't get it because p- for me part of the fun of D&D is like when I make a character's backstory like I'm going to put in threads mm-hmm. and you may choose to pull on those threads or no but they are there for your your use as the DM of like this it- character has someone in their past that might come back you know bring them back if you want I don't really care it's there if, if it if it feels like it's right in the story and you want to play with it yeah and I don't know, maybe this comes from my theater background a little bit, but for me, DMing is putting on a performance. It is not the me show. It is me putting on a show for you to enjoy and interact with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't, but that, but I guess you could say that's one of the great things about D&D and tabletop <clears throat> gaming as a medium is that there's lots of different ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I'm just salty because I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> that, that is really dumb. Anyway, uh, so all right. the next question we have is from Lore. Um, oh, this is going to have spoilers in it. In oh, case yeah, y'all didn't know, know, if you're here, like, huh, I should hear about this podcast, this is going to have major spoilers for both season one and two. And yes. none of you, and no one's going to care if you haven't heard anything for spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, if y'all come, if, so, if someone who's, who's all in here. Now, y'all, you, people here have listened to the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but if y'all are listening, to the episode that we post and you haven't li- you decide to listen to the Q&A for season two somehow before everything else this is your own damn fault I'm not sorry <laughs> well so uh, discussion in the spoiler chat led to the question of uh, when creating the story was there awareness of the eight steps of genocide um, so you guys if you aren't aware uh, there is a uh, there was an article that was posted by Dr. Gregory H. Stanton, president of Genocide Watch, and it cla- and it basically uh, breaks down the eight stages of genocide. Class- it's a it's a model used to kind of see how things go from fine to literally killing people and how it it escalates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have classification, symbolism, dehumanization, 
organization, polarization, preparation, extermination, denial. You feel free to look those up. This is free information online. Um, but as you know, Talia does deal with gen the genocide of of her of her race, of her race really. really. Yeah. One of the things that I've always worried about is um, this can mirror real world issues mm -hmm. and uh, stuff that's currently happening. Yeah. Let's be real. And uh, no, let's be legendary. That's uh, and that was that was kind of as we're as we're looking back on things we would have done differently or mistakes we made, that's kind of one that's like, ah, oh, so we have a for person that's supposed to be first nation that has experienced genocide, given there's a good separation between what happened in real life and what happened to, what happens and what happens, not happened, happens in, in real life with native peoples and what happened with Talia's community. But it's one of those things that we're aware of and we kind of are always looking back on yeah. and, and reviewing, but. And I will confess that I was not aware of the eight steps of genocide when we were getting into this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that list, do you have it in front of you, Molly? I have it in front of me. Okay. Like, because I think you... We, you kind of followed you, it a little bit because, like, those stages are very, like, are, are pretty typical. Like classification is basically like the us versus them. Yeah. Um, so that is very present in uh, it, with the Vanasi. Uh, symbolism is like kind of more of the othering. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you kind of label them as something other, like unnatural yeah. is a good mm -hmm. um, for uh, the example that they use are Jews and a slur mm -hmm. for Romani people, which I'm not going to say out loud. Um, so it's like it, it, people cease to be Jewish. They are Jews. Mm -hmm. You know, people are not werewolves. They are unnatural. Mm -hmm. Unnaturals. Unnaturals. And that that's something that I, that tends to be like, instead of like um, adjectives, tend uh, turn into nouns. Yeah. So that you, you aren't like... Uh, someone who is unnatural, you are an unnatural. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dehumanization just basically removes that they are compared to animals, insects, um, objects in some cases, which is very much what the Vanasi did. Yeah. Uh, organization. Genocide is always organized, usually by the state, although sometimes in so. sometimes by Sometimes by making your own stupid club. Or by a terrorist group. So the, with, with their, in that we have branding, the Vanasi. With, yeah. with brand symbols, with symbols and branding in a red bubble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, polarization, extremists divide the group apart. Hate groups broadcast polarizing propaganda. Laws may forbid intermarriage or social interaction. Extreme terrorism targets moderate, moderate, extreme terrorism target moderates. Extremist. Oh my God, I can... I have dyslexia, I'm sorry. So I don't know if they did too much of that because they were a secret group. Yeah. Um, but when they did technically strike, they were always pretty big, like massive undead wandering through, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, you know, things that made the newspaper yeah. for the most part, but they weren't really necessarily hugely polarizing until the very end. Yeah. Uh, Preparation. Victims are identified and separated out because of their ethnic or religious identity. Um, this didn't technically happen because we didn't really get to that stage because the people that we heard about that were 
murdered by the Venasi were either already separated or already in society that they couldn't be removed. Like mm. tieflings. Tieflings were a major, you know, no-no for the Venasi, but they were so integrated into society that they couldn't basically start, no, nope, everybody move on, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, go off in your own little area. <laughs> and for the most part, lichens are in this world are very family group oriented that wander that basically are want to be away from everybody else yeah so um and then extermination yeah <laughs> yeah that happened um yep. and denial and, also happened and denial yes uh there was although at the end they basically said oh yes we did it but we did it for you which i well, think is a form of denial where yeah. it's like yes we did it but it wasn't it wasn't actually genocide no exactly um that's like I'm, I'm looking at the wikipedia page and ah, okay. um they say that uh in here it's like the perpetrators deny that they committed any crimes mm -hmm. they don't deny that they didn't kill those people they deny that that wasn't a crime that was justice or that we was, did it for you yeah i made this it's for you yeah exactly drink the hot kool-aid so you did follow the steps um although you weren't really aware that you were following the steps so good job yeah <laughs> uh, on accident good job yeah um, i mean there's so much in this podcast that's amazing that we do on accident yeah so it's like that's not that's that's you know that's on brand. I mean, some of it, again, we wish we would have had forethought with and maybe handled a little bit better. But um, I'm will I'm very much willing to go on record and say, yeah, we made some fucked up mistakes. Yeah. And we're learning. So, yeah. Uh, Laura's next question. Also, how much research into courtroom proceedings did you do or was it mostly based on TV? It started it, out mostly based on TV. It started out based on Law and & Order. And then we had the input of... Lawyer's daughter Megzi. Yeah. To ground it a little bit. Which, given a lot of that was also based on just between my upbringing of as being a lawyer's daughter and watching a ton of Law and Order, because when I was, when I first got out of college and I was unemployed, I marathoned like 18 seasons of SVU because they were all on Hulu. <laughs> Every now and then you get a bug up your butt. I'm going to, you... I'm going to watch all of SVU again. And then you like get like two seasons in, and you're like, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. Well, then, then I'm start, then I start like getting paranoid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a, something bad's gonna happen to me, and like, because I've been watching nothing but bad things happening to people. I'm like, yeah. I need Benson and Stabler to help me. <laughs> See, I can't watch anything with Law and Order anymore, just because it's like, oh yeah, so beyond unrealistic to the point all where the I'm just like, also that, yeah. But also just like, oh, well, it's really funny because my fa my two favorite cops are. Um, were from SVU. Uh huh. Oh, God, I can't remember the names. Ice T and that Ice one. Tea. Oh, Munch and Finn. Munch, Munch and, and Finn, Finn were definitely yeah. boyfriends. Um, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> but they were my favorites. But I can't watch it because it's so ridiculously unrealistic. And now all I see is like that's not what you do. That's yeah. not how you do that. So I graduated to. I don't recommend this for anybody who's like easily scared or paranoid. But uh. If you go on the Reddit board, r slash let's, let's not, not meet, meet, you will get really fucking paranoid. Oh God, I remember very we, quickly. Were, we were listening to some and I had to go check the mailbox and I was like, Chris, can you come with me? Yeah, let's not meet on r slash, r slash let's not meet is a subreddit that basically people tell stories of like what happens when they're, like what happened when they were alone one time what happened when they were in their par a parking lot by themselves and got approached by some, like some really real world oh scary horror stories 
that are supposedly real, but who knows? Some of it's them. It's Reddit, so. It's Reddit, so who fucking knows? But. Damn. Um, some of them are real enough that I'm just like, yeah, no. Nope. And there's this one guy, uh, Lazy Masquerade on YouTube, that reads them out loud because I have. I have a, uh, I'm dyslexic, if anybody doesn't know. And reading things for long periods of time hurts my eyes and I can't handle it and I get headaches. So I like listening to things and lazy masquerade on reddit i don't know why i'm telling you people this i don't this know it's bad but i don't because i don't actually recommend it unless you're into some spooky shit but um he reads out loud posts from that uh so subreddit and a couple other ones and i was marathoning those for like by yourself by myself alone in the house in the middle of the night i don't recommend doing that because you will get paranoid very quickly. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to do that, especially since I'll be moving to third shift at my job. And apparently, while not common, it has happened more than once that third shifters can sometimes be in the building alone. <laughs> like a ah! single person. Nice. <laughs> oh, that went off on a tangent. I apologize. So, Laura's last question. What's the reporting outside the room for these current episodes so the reporting as far as the like the world goes i, I think yeah. so i think uh, so. probably like the trial reporting yeah the trial the trial reporting uh so <laughs> i never officially like wrote it down or anything but i would imagine the the uh the reporting was kind of like trial of the century or things like that yeah with, uh, something dramatic some, something dramatic with like <laughs> i think it's i, I kind of became like upset like i had talia or i personally was very interested in what was going on as far as the media was concerned in this world yeah so i think i have talia in season three being like hey what what was in the paper or i, yeah. I kept like trying to it's like what's the well, media saying like what's going on with that yeah and th that's something that continues for a while it was a dice roll for whether or not what's his jerk face took that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was not planned. No, it was not. That that was not in the outline. That wasn't in the outline. Um, where turn it was in the outline that turn had the gun. Yeah. But the dice roll for if the jury saw the gun, that was that was done. That was that was a dice roll. That was a dice roll. Um, it was a dice roll to, if he would remember to take it out, which he failed. It was a dice roll to see how quickly he could pick up the gun when you pulled it out of his coat pocket. It was a dice roll to see if I could do that stealthily because yeah. if anybody doesn't know, the spell or the cantrip Mage Hand actually produces a physical ghostly hand that like moves things around yeah so i had to stealthily make that mage hand be very like not appear very subtle very well. oh, yeah. yeah very subtle that just was like a and i did it you did it because my dexterity is a bam <laughs> um and then it was a dice roll to decide i guess i don't know i don't know if that was a just dice roll i remember you're laughing though and i kept that in in the in the podcast where i was just like i'm gonna see if i can drop it yeah. And I hear your laugh going, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was a roll to, it was like a courage roll or or actually it was more appropriately, it was a roll for stupid to see whether or not Turn would try to actually draw on Talia with the guard already on him. <laughs> I like that term, roll for stupid, becomes a, a thing. Oh, I used, I used that in another game that I was, that I've been playing with some friends 
yesterday, I was gonna, I was like, well, let's roll for stupid and see if she does it. And it was like, one to ten, she does it. Eleven to twenty, she doesn't do it. And I rolled a ten, like, it's stupid, but just on the edge of not stupid, but she gotta do it now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, roll for stupid is a, is, uh, there's a lot of times where I'm like, you like, roll for stupid. I'm like, did stupid happen? You're like, no, my like, stupid should happen. That makes better TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we just make stupid happen because it's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of that with turn, that wasn't scripted. That was a, uh, that was fun. So thank you for those questions, Shoral and Lore. We're moving on to Art Dragon, who said, what I wonder is how you slotted in the backstories of the players in with the world. It seems so seamless. I have no idea how they did that. Well, that's actually kind of a funny story, a little bit of a funny story. At least I think it's funny with how- It might be boring. It might be boring. Um, with how closely Talia's backstory related to one that I was playing with in the in the beta in the beta test for the world the um and I, I believe I talked with this in the uh, in the recap retrospective retrospect I, I believe I talked about this in the in the retrospective damn it, English having so many words start with the same damn letter. yeah uh, of season one where I had a gunslinger who had a village that was destroyed by somebody in relation, but by an organization related to Leroy Brown, <laughs> and he was on a revenge quest, and eventually, uh, and eventually found Death Whisperer, and it didn't go nearly as far as Talia's story. And it there are definitely elements between the two that make them completely unique. For one, he was not a werewolf. Uh, two, I mean, we can't all be perfect. <laughs> To he was, I mean, Alex. If you're listening to this somewhere out there in the future, <laughs> I'm sorry. You were kind of a shit player. Oh! <laughs> Shots fired. That could be our fault. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, hmm. we're kind of god tier role players. <laughs> you kind of are. I feel that this is why I don't want to join a game with anybody else because I'm like. Are you sure you want me to play? Because I will dominate <laughs> on accident. That's how I'm feeling like in the game that I'm that I'm playing with some friends. Like, I feel like I do. I feel like I never fucking shut up. Yeah, I'm worried. Uh, that's my biggest fear is like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna overtake the game because I'm so eager to RP. Mm -hmm. And you know, with Megzi and Molly, like we're both really eager to RP. So we're both, all three of us are just like, yes, RP. And we just yeah. feed off of each other. That's and, a, that's a bonus of having a small group is that you yeah. don't really, you you don't have to feel like you're dominating because like there's only two other people. And if they're not, if they're not keeping up and get on my level. Mm -hmm. But, but that, <laughs> back, so, to that back to the question. Back, yeah. back to the question. So t Chris having a backstory like that made it really easy I because I was able to slot it in and then I, I did want something in addition to what I had created for that other for, for Alex's character so I created the Venasi whole cloth for for Chris's backstory and Tally uh, Talia's backstory uh, nice. to to create that extra element of threat and tension and yeah and then just create that extra level of intrigue and then for Megzi it was uh, man it was actually kind of like 
that was that was more just like perfect how <laughs> she had decided that she wanted to be half fae mm-hmm. and i was like yes <laughs> this works i i was very nervous about that because i am so i'm i'm a product of the mid 2000s i'm a product of the aughts and where having a mary sue was a cardinal sin and so i was i'm always like i don't want to make my character too interesting because then she'll be a Mary Sue, and that's bad. <laughs> I've tried to get over that, but because I usually have tons of ideas for my character and just want to be like, I have this and this and this and this, but then I'm like, am I being too, am I asking for too much with my character? And so I know I had like a lot of ideas at the beginning that I was very anxious about talking to you about because I was like, I don't want to feel like I'm taking over your story. Mm. But like, yes, it's a it's called the Fey Wild West. I want to have a fairy. Now you got to do something with that. So, but it ended up being like we said in the retrospective like her original incarnation was also part fairy. And it really helped me fill something in that I was missing in the in the beta test. Uh, there was that Fey Wild sorcerer, but I I didn't I knew that there was something that was supposed to be there in, in the setting, but I didn't. I couldn't realize it with her, with that, with that player, because she was, she was a shittier player than Alex. No, <laughs> just, just dissing the player. <laughs> like, God, I hope they're none of them. Were, none of them were listening. <laughs> none of them were listening. Now you're gonna. Now they're gonna be like, oh, I'll check this out. It's amazing that all of these backstories weren't planned into the story and you folded them into the game. Yep. 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 Molly Molly did that all by her onesie. She started with, she told us about the, the setting and um, I'm a Wild West nut. And yeah. I was just like, oh my God, which is amazing. I, I, I want to play in this I had world. no idea. I yeah. was just like, Wild West exists. That was my opinion of it. Is Wild West is a thing that exists. Welcome to my closet obsession. You know. <laughs> well, I'm going to be French. So there. I mean, French people exist, so you're good. <laughs> but yeah, Molly Wait. did a really good job like pulling on. I always like when I make a character, I always like to have, like Megzi said earlier, threads that DMs can pull on because that's the kind of thing that I really like to do is like, yes, give me threads so I can weave these into the story and then yeah. add more to it or, or, you know, go in a completely different direction with it or it's just play with. It gives me more... It gives me more things to play with, basically. And, you know, this entire world is a toy box that I get to, you know, basically mess with. And, and like, it, it's the sandbox idea where, you you know, it's a new sandbox and yeah. people gave you a bunch of things to build with. And I'm like, yeah. yes! So. They gave you lots of pails and shovels. Gave me lots of pa- pails and shovels are the best thing. Yeah. Uh, Art Dragon also asked, also I was wonder, wonder I wonder what the thought process and development of the world was. So this this had been building almost since I started playing D&D. And it's ever since I got a taste for what D&D could be. I wanted a Wild West game. I wanted guns. I wanted steampunk. I wanted... Boots uh, and hats. Yes, boots, hats, robots, steampunk robots, and airships and inventions and tinkering and it was that and so i had been i had been kind of churning this in my head for years and i had been discouraged at various points my first dm joe who i like a lot are you gonna, are you gonna throw him under the bus too i'm gonna throw a little bit of shade at Alrighty. him 
I want to throw some shade at somebody. Yeah. I'll do it when you're done. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I Joe, throw shade at you. And we'll we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Joe is an amazing person, an amazing DM, and it was really cool that he just kind of accepted me into his his group when when a friend that is honestly probably more on the lines of an acquaintance like hooked us up. It was just like, hey, this random person wants to join your game, and I told them I I told them I give a good word, <laughs> and he said okay. So good on like thank you so much, Joe, for that and introducing me to this world. But but you need to fucking loosen up about homebrew. <laughs> Learn to loosen the fuck up. If something is um is if something is mildly unbalanced on paper, make it fucking work. It's not that hard. I will say there are people that have problems with stuff that is not like very spelled out in the rules. Um, Fair, and, yeah. Fair. However, I was I was bringing stuff to him that was like published stuff and I totally understand that I was being an annoying little shit being like hey 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 read this read this read this read this mm-hmm. I was definitely being an annoying little shit however he would just go through and like pick it apart like this 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 just no none and of this none, none of this works none of this works and I was just like but it's cool and I wouldn't exploit it like that and just That sounds like a DM that has had somebody go, this is cool. Well, you can't use it. I won't exploit it. And then maybe (laughs) anyway, anyways, I forgot even where I was going. Oh, development of the world. (laughs) You were just shitting on Joe. That's what you Uh, were doing. I was like, Molly keeps going for blood. But that kind of, like, I would show him stuff and he'd be just kind of like, no. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then well, I, I'm going to make my own. So We're going to make my own homebrew with blackjack and bookers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's eventually what I did. But for the first couple of times, I, just, I got really discouraged about it and just kind of set it aside. And that's why the first game I ran was actually more of a classic fantasy type, mm-hmm. which honestly was a good thing. Like, that, that was... that. I count that as a good thing that I did that. But yeah, eventually it led to me building my own world. And but a huge point of inspiration for the Feywild West in general was a couple of things. It was actually a Teslacon that I was involved in helping make some videos for. Ah, uh, uh, yes. The, Teslacon is a steampunk convention that's yes. in our hometown, by yes. the way. Yeah, thank you, Megzi. Right, it was a, a Wild West it, it was a Wild West theme. It was steampunk Wild West. And that had a, that had a huge impact on like, yes, I really want to create a Wild West world. And so uh, that's when I really started dedicating a lot of my uh, time to it, my creation to it. And then I just kind of have a normal, uh, like a naturally fucked up brain. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, You're a DM. Of course you do. <laughs> childhood trauma. <laughs> Probably has Using your trauma, your childhood trauma to traumatize others. Uh, the other biggest inspiration was the backwater gospel. Yeah. Yes. 
which I'm gonna find that on YouTube and link it. Oh yeah, my god! If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, the art style and the music are both just so amazing. And honestly, actually, I found this. Uh, if you if you watch the video, it'll it'll make a lot of sense. But I I found this at a time where I was really starting to question my um uh like what I believed as far as like religion went and stuff like that, and. This kind, this actually kind of helped me along a little bit in the way that it portrayed like a small town church. Yeah, I'm actually going to link that in character talk if anybody is. It's interested. a it's a little short animation. Yeah, it's beautifully done. If you haven't seen it, it. it's so beautiful. Um, the very very nice individuals who wrote the, the song, Shadow of the Undertaker, the Shadow of the Undertaker song, and that this is also where the Undertaker comes from. Yes, and. Uh, like this, this alone solidified him as a deity in in my world. Like that idea of death, and just talking about the video a little bit, the idea that death had come to town drove everybody to kill each other. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he didn't he didn't kill any of them. They were so terrified of him killing them that they killed each other because they didn't want to be the one that he was coming for. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the idea that I took into The Undertaker was that he does not kill. He does not reap. He lets the dead come to him. Mm -hmm. Death just waits. Death is just natural. It happens. People do it to themselves. <laughs> he doesn't have to lift a finger until... Until it's done. Until it's done. And... I've always liked steampunk and steampunk aesthetics. That was just another huge part of creating into the world. It all just kind of came together in the space of two years that I spent hashing out details, a couple of play tests, the alpha game or the beta game, whatever, uh, the beta game. There actually was an alpha game that was just a, a one shot. Mm -hmm. I think you talked about that in the retrospective. Yeah, you yeah. talked about so, that in the yeah. retrospective. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then now now we're here. As you're, I'm going to add on to that question. With the alpha test and the beta test, has how has the world changed in this incarnation of it? Okay. The biggest change straight up, and this comes a lot with me just learning a lot in the last five years, just like growing as a person and being a not shitty person. <laughs> biggest difference, alpha version. Elves were slaves. Yikes. Oh, right. I remember that. And everybody went, a collective like went. Yeah. Yeah. And you took out, you took out the very obvious yeah. allegory that, that drives me up the goddamn wall. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it wasn't even, it wasn't mass enslavement if that makes it better. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. It no. doesn't. No, and it doesn't need to be made better because I got, because I learned and I got rid of it. Yes. Another, Another thing, another horrible allegory was that orcs were essentially a substitute for Native Americans from the Alpha Test. Yeah, again, everybody collectively went. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, those those were the my two biggest takeaways from the Alpha Test. Is like the feedback that I got from that was like, yeah, cut cut both of those, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, yes. And then I learned later why you why cut yeah, those. I was just like that. Yeah, wow, Molly, that that was that was shit. That was really shit. I mean, I will say that I think, you know, we make no secret of it that there is white people 
on the other end of the mic in this podcast. Yeah. And so we're trying to be as cognizant as we can. We're trying very hard to be as aware of what we're putting out in the media <laughs> as possible. But we all make mistakes. And yeah. sometimes when you're learning to not be a shitty person, and, you make mistakes. So. And what was, and oh man. And you did that before we got to the actual recording. Yeah. That you made that not a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't even a thing in the, that wasn't a thing in the beta game. I will, however, I will say orcs in the beta game, well, not an allegory for Native Americans. They were still very close to just like the classical Gary Gygax type of orcs mm, of mm. just like, you know, war tribes and uh, stuff like that. Like yeah. so, noble savages. Yeah. The noble savages kind of, kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, we take that out too. Yes. Yes. They're not that anymore. They have evolved. They have evolved. Yes. Yes. Into actual people. Yes. <laughs> which, um, minor spoilers, we will see more orcs coming in season four, which I'm yes. very excited for because we get to explore that a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I, I love orcs. Yeah. I love them so much. I love orcs. The two races that everybody, there were three races that like in, especially in three, in uh, 3.5 and, and four that everybody like, basically adopt like all the queers adopted these three races which were orcs Mm -hmm. goblins and tieflings and drow and drow excuse me there were four so like all of them were just like problematic af Mm -hmm. and it was just like no no no, they're all evil and they're all like savage in their own way and you know blah 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 and then the queers were just like nah no they're they're gay they're gay and they're they're awesome and we love them and and i so i get like really protective over those particular um, actually, don't say races. Species. 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 Backgrounds. Backgrounds. Yeah. Um, I get very protective over those types of characters where we've got an orc, we've got a goblin, we've got a tiefling, a drow. Like I'm like, no, these are my children and I will protect them from the stupidity of everybody else. Mm-hmm. We, we were very, very briefly introduced to a character. Um, her name was Larry. She's named after my friend Larissa. Yes. Um, who at the time were our biggest patrons. Her and her sister were very high, high tier patrons and kind of helped us get our start. So we named a character after her. And uh, Larry does end up coming back. She was a little goblin. And I love her. I love her so much. And just, just, just oh, I, I, gotta, I want her to marry me. So yeah, Larry will make an appearance back. Just FYI. Yes. So another question that our dragon had was how do you plan encounters and when creating special monsters do you use an existing stat block or do you or do you build your own and tweak the or tweak the existing stat block so planning encounters and you're fucked up head i i don't (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't plan them boss battles though. I have boss battles. And I and, and you do use stat blocks for those that are like a, pre-existing. Occasionally. What I'll often Okay, so sometimes yes, I will think like, okay, this is a monster that I need to have like a certain embodiment, a certain aesthetic, a certain like ability set that I don't have the brain power to think up like on the spot right now. So I will grab a stat block or just sometimes I'll just grab a monster from like the Tome of Beasts or mm-hmm. uh, the Monster Manual or something like that. 
and we put it into the story. We know it's serious when you grab the boyfriend catalog. Right, the yeah. Husband catalog. <laughs> the husband catalog. There's the um, husband catalog and the bigger husband, husband catalog and, and the, the other bigger husband <laughs> catalog. But so for things like the growlers, uh, the growl. Okay, I will say the growlers. I did prepare kind of extensively because that was like a really core idea for the wild for like the whole development of the world. Mm-hmm. I had at multiple points sat down and worked out the Growler's abilities and what what they would do. But as far as everything else, like it would be on the fly. It'd be like, okay, I, I, the two most important things you have to figure out for a monster, AC and HP. Yeah. ACDC? <laughs> Armor class and, health and hit points. Right. That's what I said. <laughs> and for both of those, I go off of, okay, I know that Talia can hit. I know Talia's bonus to hit. And I know Celine's armor class. And then I build off of that. Yeah. So I'll usually go like, okay, so Chris has an X to hit. So I want it to be like, and then I'll go like, okay, so how much of a challenge do I want this to be to hit? And then I consider that. Chris normally has very bad rolls. I do not always have bad rolls, bitch. Not only, always. Only during, only, only during boss battles. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll go, okay, so this AC is good. And then I'll think, okay, how much damage can they output in a round? Spoilers, it's a lot later. Oh, oh my God. I give them an exploit. That we use that they use, and I love it. I don't regret giving them the exploit. <laughs> it's just ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> hey, it makes for cool fucking moments. Oh, it did. So does. And besides, you just up the the freaking HP. Oh yeah. Like, oh, they're gonna die real quick. Hang on, let me just add that a couple more that, thousand that points. To last it. encounter that we did, in, and we're recording season seven right now. So mm. there's an encounter in season seven where like they were just hitting so fucking hard and I was just like, I'm gonna die, dude. Yeah. But you know, I'm we gotta heal myself again. But we made it through. And we, yeah. hit, we hit hard too. Yeah, oh yeah. So. Yeah, just usually we're just used to being the hard hitters and everybody else sucks. Oh yeah. And so Molly was like, huh, maybe I should make them suck less. <laughs> that was that was actually funny because like we're doing um like I'm not, I'm not like any D and D campaign will tell you that as you continue, um, your your stuff gets better, your skills get better, so you eventually start hitting harder or start doing more damn or whatever than have you. So that happens with us, obviously. Um, but we also play these characters of like we're better than everybody. Else. Yeah, we're we are Sailor Neptune and Sailor Ernest. Yeah. So like obviously we need to like arrive on the battlefield and are just like mm, yes. Yes, we are here. Yeah, and you know, so and we're just like, hang on, we've got this, and we just go boom, 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 in rose petals. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find Sailor. If you if y'all haven't seen Sailor Moon, which you, you should go watch at least the first three seasons of Sailor Moon. I'm gonna find Sailor N- Neptune and Uranus how they enter the battlefield, and this yeah. is this will give That's you a totally how we do it. And yeah. so every time we run into something that we can't like immediately go, ha ha. You know, we go, uh-oh, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> we just run away. <laughs> or we're like, maybe, maybe we should run or something. <laughs> you, guys, you guys never run. What you do is you bitch. Yeah, we bitch. It's like, what do you mean we don't immediately hit it? What do you mean that doesn't hit? Or what do you mean they only went half health or something like that? Because we whine incessantly. 
thing where we don't get our own way. Oh, okay. God. I don't know how you put up with that. <laughs> because you two are wonderful. Aww, That's why. Thank you. Um, to get back to their question, I, do, I really... I honestly don't plan encounters all that much. And when I throw things at them, it is AC, HP, and how hard they hit. The level we're playing at, they don't do less than at least 3d8 damage per hit. The the enemy is facing you guys. Yeah. Well, you have to. Yeah. That's just the way it works. I mean, I mean, unless you guys are going up against just, like, commoners or something. We very rarely go up against commoners. Yeah. No, that, that yeah. Except <laughs> that one time. In four? Yeah, in, in four. <laughs> that was not our fault. They started that. They started, they started that and we finished it. Exactly. <laughs> I cannot be held accountable for people's stupidity. Yeah. Just and like, you will not be. And I won't. That'll be a great moment once we get to it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to season four. I'm looking forward to season three, but I'm looking forward to season... God! We have so much good stuff for you guys. You guys have no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So... Okay, and then a question for you, Chris. For me, by Art Dragon. How did Talia survive after she came out of the woods? And is there more to the story of how she became a bounty hunter? How she survived when she came out of the woods, the way we, we actually had a really in-depth story when it comes to her. We never really explore it because it doesn't become relevant, but originally I had it written up in the backstory, but again, it just, it just never really became relevant. It will go on the wiki eventually. Uh, our, our wonderful per- person that has graced us with their presence, uh, Shoral, actually made the wiki for us and i have been trying to update it when i can with relevant information they've been trying but this year's been weird so everybody has like trying to contribute to that wiki and talia's full backstory will be on there um but basically when she got out of the woods she didn't really know what to do with herself so the best she did was able to go one to one of the towns nearby and uh, I think it was Ilden is the closest town. Mm-hmm. So she headed over to Ilden and basically got herself as cleaned up as she could, you know, after being scruffy for a couple of years and tried to get jobs on farms and tried to do manual labor just because that was the only thing she knew how to do. Uh, she knew how to hunt and trap, but that wasn't really like that doesn't make a lot of money when, you know, the game that you can go after aren't that great. The gun at the time that she had, uh, Retribution, it didn't work still. She didn't have any way to fix it. So uh, she didn't know how to fix it. So she's just carrying around this gun and the clothes on her back, r- going from farm to farm, trying to at first get food and then make money and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I did not know that. I haven't been on the wiki for uh, apparently Sea Dragon has also been putting in a lot. So thank you so much. We've anybody been, we've been so fucking busy making this making the show. Anybody who's been adding to the wiki, you have my like sincerest thanks because I have not been very good about that this year. But so she yeah, she she basically spent the next couple of years moving around the western side of the district from farm to farm trying to just survive. And then what ended up tipping her into bounty hunter mode is she actually met somebody who could fix the gun. 
it was another farmhand. They were very, it was a transient situation where farmhands were moving in and out. And, you know, I don't think she even remembers this person's name, but they just offered, it's like, oh, I, I, I can fix the gun here. Just give me, you know, your wages for the next couple of days and I'll, you know, I'll fix it. You know, thinking that this is probably the best that she, you know, so this is her best chance to get it fixed for fairly cheap. You know, she she gave her wages to the person who fixed it. And so now she's got a working gun, which means she can now do other things. And the first bounty that she came across was for a bear that was causing problems. And since she was she's an outlander uh, background, she's just like, well, I know how bears work, so I'll go kill the bear. Turns out it was a very big bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and this scar that is that goes across her face across her nose oh across her nose is from that bear and you know i can use that yeah no i like it chicks dig scars man yeah and that's what got her into bounty hunting because like that bear was worth i think 50 20 to 50 gold i think and she got to keep it and skin it and you know sell what she had but that was the first time she actually got money like actual money aside from like a few silver and because an entire community had basically like pulled this bounty together it's like please somebody come kill this bear you know to which she asked like did you like you know take precautions against the bear because it's really easy to not have a bear come in and they're like no we didn't do that just kill it but she was hungry so she's just like okay this is dumb but it's i'll be it. the bear it's me or the bear so uh she ended up you know you she skinned the bear she did the whole nine yards she sold what she could she used what she could and uh she got money for the first time so that was the first time that she decided bounty hunting is probably the best solution because working on the farms is getting me silver while this can get me gold and i think that's also where her money thing came from (laughs) because talia for i don't think she ever gets out of this but every time money is involved she's like do we get paid yet (laughs) (laughs) post please put it to ching sound in here yeah like she never loses that and I think it's because she didn't have much for very long or for, for a lot of the earlier years. So that was around when she, she was like 16. Mm-hmm. So when she became like a full bounty hunter, I don't think she got the Reaper title until she was maybe 20 mm-hmm. when she brought in the baby. She I'm, was I'm a, so used. I'm so used to Talia being in her thirties. It's like all oh, baby. She was a baby. That was a fun. That was that was a fun to think up because I think in that same town there was like a bunch of bandits that were just like hanging out around the area, and the bounty was for like the whole group, which is like a group of like five or six or something like that. She actually ended up killing one, and she had no horse at the time, so one of them was just like she couldn't drag the body all the way back to town and so she just brought in like a gun or something like that to like identify him thinking that that was it and the sheriff at the at that place was just like well if you didn't bring in any proof that you got him mm-hmm. you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you the gold and like talia's sitting there with like you know a bullet wound in her arm like are you kidding me i could have died out there getting one of these guys and you're not gonna give me the money so when she went out to go get the rest of them this time she's like i can't carry all these people so i'm gonna cut their heads off and that will be my fucking proof yeah and that solidified her as the reaper because apparently that was overdoing it like <laughs> this is really your fault sheriff dude it's true and 
People are dumb. I'm just saying. They sure are. Dumb as bricks. So yeah, that that that's kind of her journey into bounty hunting and like what she did afterwards. Um, and she's not above doing manual labor still. She still yeah. is like, hey, can I help out with anything? Can I lift anything? Can I dig some graves? Can I dig some graves? <laughs> so, which is why she's swole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grats on your arms, Talia. Yeah. Next question is from Sea Dragon. Uh-huh. What is the public opinion on those outside the natural order? How much of the population of the district is unnatural citizens? Quite a bit, I think, right? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a solid percentage. I want to say in every town, in every community of like, you know, two to 500 people, there is at least one to two people that would, that the Venasi would classify as outside the natural order. And in some places there's more, in some places there's less. But I would go ahead and say like, combined all together, maybe... Maybe like three percent of the population. So it's still pretty low. Yeah, it, okay, it, it's still pretty low. It is still pretty low, but at the same time, that is definitely that is that is still definitely thousands of people when you consider the entire population of the district together. Right. As far as the opinion of quote unnatural people, it's kind of like baseline opinion is just kind of like yeah they're weird but whatever. <laughs> People got other shit to worry about on the frontier. Yeah, like, you know, bears. And what's going to eat them? (laughs) And what are are they going to eat? Yeah. Really just a lot of food concerns. A lot of food and and shelter concerns. concerns. Yeah, Yeah. food, shelter, water. Basic needs. So it was like, okay, so what if Jeff has horns? Or Susie turns into a wolf under the full moon? Or whatever. It's just like, I mean, are they killing people? Are 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 they are they kill are they actively killing people? No. Okay. Oh. Well, I've got some stuff to do. So. Like, yeah. I got to worry about stuff that's gonna kill me, not yeah. Susie and her horns. So. <laughs> no, it was Jeff and his horns. Excuse me, Jeff and his horns. So yeah, yeah get the unnaturals horns. right, would you? Now, in, like, the bigger cities, like the Core 5, where people don't have that much concern they've over... They've got more time on their they've hands. They've got more time on their hands and more time to consider what is natural versus unnatural. Rich people. At the same time, since there is more of a concentration of people, there's just... There's also more exposure to quote-unquote unnatural people as well. Mm -hmm. So whereas, like, smaller communities, you know, you might only have, like, maybe one or two in... What? (laughs) Like, don't tell you it's lead count as rich people, technically. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) They're literally the 1%. Yep. Shut up. (laughs) They don't act like it. You would... But they are... Yeah, no, yes. Although I will say that literally they throw money around and the, like... That, that, is, that is one thing. It's like, yes, they are rich. And yes, later we'll get into how they know some rich people. But at the same time, we as poor people are aware of how to be good rich people, I guess. How to, how to be responsible. How to be responsible, yeah. Yeah, they're... Um, 
Talia and Celine technically in this world are extremely rich. And I'm not going to spoil much by saying they get richer. Um, but a lot of their money is thrown put back into the community. It's put back into the community like a lot. And not hoarded. Yeah. And any money that is hoarded is literally just waiting for a good cause, basically. Yeah. Or a fun cause. Or a fun cause. I, you I owe think me a bar fight. I want, yeah, we gotta, we gotta do a bar fight at one point. Cause Spoilers for season seven. There's gonna be a bar fight. I don't know where. We haven't figured it out oh, yet. Oh, yeah, we but, did. Oh, right, you're right. Yeah, we know exactly where we're gonna have that bar fight. <laughs> yeah. So as far as unnatural <laughs> citizens go. Yeah, and... So in the larger cities, they have more of an exposure to those kinds of people. And so, again, the response is just kind of like, okay. What? I mean, I'm not friends with any, but... Which all adds up to the Venasi's miscalculation. They're reading just kind of feelings of meh as feelings of agreement to their cause. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. You don't care about them. In fact, you hate them. You just, you, they're on net. It's just like, no, <laughs> no, what? The, he, they, they mistake indifference for hatred. Yeah. And, and that's kind of an aspect of this world being a, a fantasy. And yeah. I mean, a lot of what, a lot of the stuff is basically, you know, pure fantasy. I actually discussed this. Uh, I discussed this online, but I will say it again and I will say it again until the cows come home. Like, uh, this podcast supports Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And while we do have themes of quote unquote good police, this is a fantasy. This is a fantasy. This does not reflect on real world policing. Where in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. The, the, what, what happens in the podcast where we have a very... Like, we've got Sarah, who is uh, the head of the constables. Um, she is a genuinely, you know, spoilers, if you haven't figured it out already. Sarah is a genuinely good person. She is doing the best she can. And she is very much against corruption. We have James Wilde, who is kind of your uh, captain of the marshals, per se. And he is a genuinely good person that is also doing his best. Tally and Celine are now a part of that system that are definitely trying to do their best. This is the fantasy of what law and order, we want law and order to be, yeah. which is people who want to do their best and are trying to do their best and are trying to make, you know, learn from mistakes. And that is a theme throughout this entire show. And But we can't get around the fact that this is people being police. So again, yeah. I will say it again. This is the fantasy of what we wish police were. This is not what what police are. No. So Black Lives Matter, defund and abolish the police. Yeah. Care. I don't care. I don't care if people, you can stop listening to us now, but that's where we stand on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. So did you want to add any more to that question or you want to keep going? Yeah, no, I answered that question pretty thoroughly, I think. Let's get into one for Megzi. Oh, uh, also from... Sea Dragon. From Sea Dragon. 
what's wandered into Celine's collection aside from the drone's teeth? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so I actually had a list at some point of things that are in her collection of weird shit. And actually, can I see the Curse of Strahd book? Yeah. Because I think uh, the table that I kind of pulled stuff from is in there. Yeah, it is. Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? I know Curse you have. Uh, I know I have. Um, and the, the thing with Celine's collection is... The stories she says she tells about them are all technically true. My, technically. My God, my favorite is the jar of dirt. Yeah. So like, like she's got a jar of dirt that she says is from a graveyard where a saint is buried. And then Zachariah, I think, points out her yes, name her, was Saint. Her name was Saint. It's like, yes, I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have no idea where this damn table is. Okay. Oh, well, Zachariah's skull is definitely there. She's got tons of animal bones. Yeah. Uh, lots of bird skulls of just different birds that she's that she's found. Uh, gothic chickens. Here we All go. All right. So you had a handful of these because they were very funny. Because uh, technically, Celine, uh, her background oh. is the haunted one, which comes from the Curse of Strahd book. And if you don't know, Death House was originally from the Curse of Strahd, even though we never went anywhere into the Curse of Strahd's campaign setting. Yeah. So, but we use Death House because Death House is awesome. Um, but Celine's background comes from this book, which is the haunted one. So I picked out a bunch of trinkets that she had. Yeah. Um, the very first one is actually rather apropos, which is a picture you drew as a child of your imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> which she it's might... my dad. <laughs> no, it was, it, was either, it was either the undertaker or the broker. Oh yeah, either one. Um, uh, let's see. Either one would work. Clothes stolen from a scarecrow. Uh, a spinning top carved with four faces, happy, sad, wrathful, and dead. <laughs> an, un an unopened letter. A pocket watch that runs backwards. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah. I don't know half the shit that's in there. Talia has act actively does not touch that shit. <laughs> um, a fork that was used by a princess on her last meal. To figure out exactly how that is technically true. But um, How do a you get this crap? You just f I just find it. Yes, but how do you know that's specifically where it came from? Because... It's in this book. <laughs> um, a cameo with the profile's face scratched away. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, a teacup from a child's tea set, tea set stained with blood. <laughs> totally got that from the death house. Yeah. <laughs> I'll actually put a list of exactly what's in the Because you've got collection. a handful of stuff that's like very. There's a bunch of stuff a in there. A ring of keys from Forgotten Locks. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff in there that you've got. We made a list somewhere. I will find it. But yeah, there's just a handful of trinkets in there. It's it's one of those fun little things that don't really matter much in the overall grand scheme of things, but they're fun too. A small worn book of children's nursery rhymes. <laughs> also something you could have gotten from the death house. And then she collects weird shit that come out of Talia's body, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. Let's see, uh, a black executioner's hood. I don't know if it's spoilers. I don't know if she's gotten it yet, but she definitely has a poison that could kill somebody in there. Yeah. Wasn't that the, the thing that Talden, didn't, did Talden give her? Talden gave her some poison. <laughs> yeah. Like at one point it's like, yeah, we have some compensated stuff in the, in the, yeah, it was. Yeah. It wasn't, it, was, it already happened. Um, but yeah, Talden's like, yes, we've got a bunch of compensated stuff that, you know, we take from the students and Selene's like, do you have anything dangerous or something along those lines? And they come back with like a poison that somebody made on accident or yeah. tried to make something else. It's like, yes, don't ingest this. And Selene is just like, I won't. And just wanted to have it. It was, it was. And then she said, it's like, uh, 
a potion so volatile that not even a master of magic would would use it. Yeah, like that's the so, sort so, of bullshit she does. Um, the, and then let's see, a tiny clockwork figure of a dancer that's missing uh, gears and doesn't work. <laughs> Neat. So she's got a lot of things that are kind of broken, mm-hmm. but that's like kind of the point of her collection is it's things that she finds interesting that no one else really would. Yeah. So Celine's collection is fun. Yeah. And she <laughs> adds to it. Constantly. She continues to add to it. Yeah. And then we had a question from Patreon um, from Chris Parker. As far this is for as far as Lord Longfellow. Does his mantle have any perks that passed on or is it something that's coming we haven't seen yet? I'll let Molly answer this. Yes. <laughs> that kind of gets into spoilers. Yes, exactly. Too, too so we'll just leave much. it at yes. So we'll leave it at yes. That's something to look forward to. Um, we did get another question from Sea Dragon. Yes. Uh, the four paintings were looted from Death House. I'm guessing they got sold or given to Ernest off screen, but I wondered if they were still hanging around Italian Celine's house or watching people walk by. Uh, those got sold. Those got sold. Um, there are parts of, uh, I have to make executive decisions sometimes when it comes to content that is boring. And uh, since we're not a live show, I can kind of pick and choose what we do and don't add into. And if it's just like, I'm getting rid of this thing and it's, you know, vendor trashing something, mm-hmm. I don't need to keep it. At the time, Tally and Celine didn't have their house. So keeping the paintings would have been yeah a little bit. Um, I actually think at the end of Death House, which is where we cut it out, was when Molly pretty much said, it's worth about this much, so if you vend it, it's going to be that. Yeah. And so I didn't count it as we sold the paintings as much as it's like, okay, we're going to sell the paintings, so here's, like, I'm just putting giving us the gold for it. Because to me, that made more sense. Um, since I was keeping track of the money and the stuff, uh, which has good and bad sides to that but for the most part i if we're just vending stuff i mm-hmm. tend not unless something funny happens like i think it was in season one where we were we were trying to find a buyer for that gun that we found in jenny and john's in and it's yeah. like we we found a dwarf and the dwarf was like oh yeah i'll give you a 50 for it or something like that and then that. celine was like 50 it's like hmm this doesn't seem like something that's worth that much and you know turns out it was worth way more so. yeah um yeah. Oh. So yeah, that we didn't keep the paintings because again, we didn't have a place at the time to hang the paintings. So uh-huh. it was just like, Neh. but yeah, that got cut out just because that was boring. <laughs> Who needs to hear all that? I try not to. I try not to leave stuff in that is just like obvious. Like, okay, here we're adding this or we're putting this in. It's like it's not relevant to the story for the most part. Yeah. But. Yeah, I try and cut it out. Um, we did get a couple more questions. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Delusions of a Fox. I'm sure it's been addressed in the podcast, but how did Talia, how did Talia's personal experience affect her in regards to Adrian? <sighs> I'm trying to think. Um, Adrian is an interesting case. Uh, <laughs> a- Adrian, kind we kind of, like as players, we kind of got the inclining that immediately this child was going to need help, uh-huh. like way more uh, than any of the other kids. There was just something about her kind of almost instantly that we're like, uh-oh. Because, and I, I, it's a very weird reason, but Molly had decided to give Adrian red hair 
which is usually the equivalent of this person. This particular character is important. Yeah, she had main character syndrome. <laughs> she had main character syndrome, like almost immediately. So we're like, hmm, you're important for some reason. And at first, it was a, a mix between: is this a child or is this a a MacGuffin uh-huh. kind of a thing? Turns out it was a child. I don't know if Talia specifically treats Adrian any differently than she would. I guess Tal- I, I guess, Talia, Talia's got a soft spot for kids. Sally, Talia lo- loves kids. She's got a major soft spot for kids. And something actually, it gets mentioned somewhere in the podcast, but I don't know specifically where. One of the bounties that she picked up was she rescued a bunch of kids. She didn't take the money for that either. She just dropped the kids off and like that was it. Like she didn't ask for any money. And the parents were not exactly thrilled that it was this particular person that found their kids because at that point she had a reputation. Um, they said bring back their heads, lady. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Talia has a major soft spot for kids, which is why, like, almost immediately, even though they have to, like, come to the realization that they're going to adopt Jareth, uh, Talia's already treating him like this is her kid. Yeah. Like pretty, pretty clearly, like uh, right after the attack that Jenny and Johnson did on the church, she immediately goes to check on Jareth. Yeah. I mean, she was going to check on the kids, but she was checking on Jareth and she made sure to ask like where he was just to make sure, because she was worried that he had decided to be the little imp that he is. Mm-hmm. And like and Celine, and Celine knew from her experience being at the church that sneaking into the mother's ball is kind of a time-honored tradition among little, among the kids. Al- yeah. Among little, you know. Yeah. Little yeah. curious, you know, troublemakers. Little troublemakers. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. So Talia, so Talia like immediately was already acting like my kid. With Adrian, when it like kind of immediately as soon as they confirmed the fact that this child is by herself completely it was an instant well ours yeah and she is very very protective of the kids and um she's also i don't really like the whole alpha beta dynamic bullshit that is uh the werewolf thing that most people know like alpha beta omega not a fan but if you know where that comes from this it comes from a study that was done based on werewolves in a um where where wolves werewolves, wolves sorry based no, on you were right the first time they studied yeah. werewolves they studied werewolves yes it was the stu- the original study where they got the whole beta alpha dynamic was uh looking at wolves in captivity where they weren't actual family groups but this is what the dynamics that were formed which is kind of what the dynamics are in her community. It's not a bunch of people that are related, whereas in the wild, wolves are in family groups. Like they're mostly all related. I kind of, I've kind of mixed the two concepts of there is a alpha dynamic of you have two individuals that are the leaders of the group, but for the most part, everybody works together as a community. But I kind of leave the concept of like a beta and omega like away because I hate that. It's dumb and it's just, I mean, I'll be honest. I All I see it used in is like for sex and just nobody needs to. <laughs> no one, needs that, no one needs that drama. So she is technically an alpha wolf or part alpha wolf. And 
so her instincts are kicking in hardcore now that she has a family and she's starting to have friends and things like that, which really does add to the the DMP thing. She She's operating now off of a lot of instinct, which is she has a family to protect. She has kids to protect. She has a wife to protect. She has friends to protect. These are all kicking in the wolf side of her that wants that wants to be an alpha, you know, that is an alpha, that is going to eventually lead as an alpha. So yeah, I don't know if, she, if it's specifically like Adrian's situation. I think she identifies more with Jareth's situation, which is his family was killed. Um, whereas Adrian's family just lost her and her sister. Yeah. They just wandered into the Feywilds and never came out. Yeah. Um, so she has more in common with Celine. Yeah, Celine and Adrian. I feel uh, Celine obviously has a lot in common with Jareth and loves him dearly as her son, but she feels a kind of kinship with Adrian because they're kind of going through the same thing or have been going through the same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the the bond between Jareth and Talia might be a little more on the understanding side. Whereas Celine and Adrian might have more of an understanding. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't love either of them any differently. Um, as far as either of them are concerned, these are their kids. And uh, that's it. That's just the long end and the short of it. These are our children and you can't do anything about it. So, uh, mm -hmm. and we'll ground them if we want. <laughs> From Sarah, what is the biggest disagreement the team had in S1 or S2? The music. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah. When that was a, bit of a great disagreement. I, 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 I had a disagreement with Megzi uh, for a brief second before I was convinced that she was right. I remember. Was I not? Was I asleep for this? What happened? Uh, y'all had found one song which sounded fine, but then I found the one that we're using. I was like, no, no, no. This one's better. And I, I wasn't convinced until I heard it with the audio. And then I was like, yes, this. Oh, yeah. Our theme song. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you're I always tell people it's like if Eddie, if you ever have praise for any of the music, Megzi most likely found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then let's see. Biggest disagreement. I'm sure I'll think of this later. I mean, we did. Ha we ha any time we had a, like, hey, we need to talk about something. You know, it was usually uh, something that we worked out. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything that we had like a major, like, like something that we got upset over. Um, the trial, I think, was the biggest, like. But we agreed on But we that. agreed on, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, um, I know, uh, like we talked about in the retrospective and I think on Patreon uh, about how we had the Longfellow fight ended a different way yes and i had gotten very overwhelmed in that fight and if you actually listen to the episode in the first part of the fight you can kind of hear me getting overwhelmed if you listen carefully and so by the end of that fight i know that i had a really hard time with with that and but that wasn't really a disagreement so much as a like this wasn't working yeah, and that's, that's the thing but about I the... But, oh, sorry. What I remember, I remember what I was going to say. I remember talking to you about it first, Chris, and you were very reluctant to change anything because it, at that point you were like, well, then it wouldn't be D&D &D anymore because we aren't relying on roles. That's right. The very first time, that was the first time, like legit the first time that we're like, 
this didn't work with the story, but I had a reservation because we hadn't actually gotten to the point in our uh, relationship at the table that we were that we felt comfortable going, hey, this didn't work. We should probably maybe think about yeah. doing something different. So it would have that would have been the first time we came to Molly with like, hey, this didn't work. Um, so I didn't know how she was going to react. And yeah, when you change when you go back and change stuff, it it's not your classic D and I didn't know how Molly was going to feel about that. I, w- I personally was fine with it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Let's do that. Uh, but then I was very reluctant because I didn't know how she was going to re- react to that. But she reacted very well. Yeah. I remember just being like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that works. I'll just add some HP onto the monster and... Hey, and, we go. Yeah. And yeah. We go. And to be perfectly honest, I actually didn't add any HP. I just waited toward... I just waited for a cool first, blow. For Selene to... to, to yeah. yeah. I just waited nice. for a cool... And like, okay, now you killed it. Yay, you! Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. And honestly, sometimes I still do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think. Like, I I can't think. I know that we've, like, brought up concerns. And I can't think of anything in season two or three. There was one that is still, like, that is still kind of like an eh. But it's way, way later. And we'll discuss it when it happens. But we don't really have any... Extra, like major disagreements of oh, how yeah. things should go. At least not in season one or two. <laughs> I mean, there have been some times where Molly's pulled some shit and I'm just like, excuse me. Like, there's an event that happens and it's in later seasons, so I can't go too in depth with it. <laughs> but we had discussed it being a possibility and I'm just like, oh my God, this is such a great idea. I can't wait for this to happen when it happens because this would add so much like story to it and it's a great idea. And then at one point, Molly is just like, yeah, I decided not to do that. It's just, it wouldn't make any sense. And we both like looked at her like she had grown a third head. You're just not going to do that? It's like, no, you have to do that. And it turned out to be like one of my absolute favorite times in the entire season that it happened. And I'm just like, you are going to cut this. Yeah. You odd person. So yeah, there have been times where, you know. There was one time though where I like legit pissed you off. Yeah, I remember that. <gasps> right. Yes. Yeah. That actually, that's in, I don't know what season that's five? in. Five. Movie season four or five. Four or five. Four or five. Uh, hopefully we will cut that into not having well we redid that part so yeah we re- we redid the whole thing and you pissed me off hardcore yeah that was a trap yeah it was so um uh no spoilers but no spoilers but molly made a suggestion to me out of character and i'm like oh that's a good idea and i did it and it was a setup to fuck with me and I was... They it, did not appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it. It, was, it felt it, it, like a it, setup. It, yeah, it, it was very rude. It was, it was very rude on my part. It was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a dick move. It was a bit, yeah. Yeah. Because you and I have conversations out of character all the time, and I'm really, really good about yeah. not metagaming. No, yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is a goddamn superpower, because, like, if I hear spoilers, I have a hard time remembering what's, what I don't... What Celine doesn't know. Yeah. And then, like, okay, now I have to act as if I don't know the thing no, yeah. but I know the thing so just don't tell me now Chris can actually like hear spoilers and just be fine and in fact they uh, again no spoilers but in season 7 
<laughs> yeah. So I, they, I'm they pretty did, good about that. They put something. They plotted. The two of them plotted, and I was like, "Don't tell me! Don't tell me!" And then the plot was revealed, and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> yeah. So it was. So there have been times that we've definitely had like conflict at the table, but we resolved it, and we've talked about it. Um, Chris is wrong about the end of season three, though. I am right about the end of season three, and y'all can suck it. So, and I'm the director, and I'm the editor. You, like you said, have no choice. Like I said, you're gonna get your way, but yeah. you're wrong. Yeah, I but, am gonna get my way. But yeah, uh, Art Art Dragon. Yes, we are definitely still good because we we talk. Mm-hmm. Oh we, yeah, we, we, communication. We, we, yeah, communication is the key to getting through everything. Yeah, it, no, like yeah, we're good. We're good. And also. Knowing when to chill out if you have a type A personality, with which Chris and I are both, like, extremely type A. And so knowing when to rein it in is also good. Yeah, self-control helps sometimes. Just a tiny bit. Just a, just a, it's, yeah. a, it's a very hard thing to have learned over the years. But, yeah, when you have a type A personality, you kind of have to, like, chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, sea Dragon has, which urgents are buried with Celine's parents after the attack at the Cairn Farm? That's a good question. Probably some people on her father's side. Not many, I, I don't think. I know. She, she Did she talk about her grandmother? Yes, but there was also, like, the, the speculation of whether or not she was actually an urgent. <laughs> What you, real, was there? I, I thought there was like I thought there was kind of a, like uncertainty as to whether or not she was actually your grandmother or oh, just someone yeah. you called grandmother. Yeah. Oh right, right, yeah. It's like tell you, tell you talking about Celine. Like, no, Celine's definitely an Argent. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. So there were. Yeah, I think if there were, it'd be on your father's it would, side. It would be on my father. Like it, it would. Yeah. We, we learn a little bit more. Do we learn about? Milan's family at all does does that ha- does that come out what happened with her family? Not a. Not I mean, a whole she lot. mentions it in passing. Um, because... can, I, can I talk about it here? Yeah, sure. Why not? So, um, Milan Granger, which was her mother, her mother's maiden name was Granger, was one of the kind of the noble families, one of the richer families in Blue Peak, and uh, her parents had set her up to marry another rich person because you know, rich people. Fucking rich people. Mm -hmm. And she was a singer. Then Laurent Argent was just this farm boy who was just, you know, went into Blue Peak to deliver silk and saw her performing once. and was like, I think kind of on a dare from his friends was like, I'm going to ask her out, which his friends are like, you're going to get shot down, man. There's no way. He's like, I'm going to ask her out. And she said yes. And he was like, whoa. (laughs) she said yes and then they started dating and i think he was kind of just always in a mild state of like what am i doing here why why is she with me like whoa (laughs) she said yes the whole time and uh eventually he asked her to marry him and milan said yes and her parents were not happy about that and actually disowned her for it yeah and so she was set to inherit a ton of gold, which she just was kind of like, fine, I'm going to run away with this farm boy. And when Milan's parents, so Celine's grandparents, died, Celine could have inherited, was would have inherited a ton of their, like, basically all of their gold. But because they had disowned Milan, uh, I think they probably knew about Celine, but they were so angry at their daughter that they really didn't want to have anything to do with her so uh 
I don't know, Molly, what do you think? Do you think that they knew about Celine and maybe were asked to, like, take her in after after she was orphaned? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, Blue Pete got all their gold. Yeah, yeah. After they died. Yeah. So that's what, that's what happened with Milan. I would really love for us to do, like, a like an origin story for each of their parents. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as like a, a oh, fun yeah. aside. Laurent was like in awe, like constantly in awe of Milan and also mildly afraid of her. <laughs> I mean, that was Roe too. So. Yeah. And <laughs> Talia's dad was just like, I don't, I don't know how I got here, but um, <laughs> I'm terrified and very turned on. It's, it's, you know, there's that meme of like, do you like me? Like, yeah. hey, we're married. Yeah, but do you like, like me? me? Yeah, that's that. That was how, that's how Laurent was with Milan. Was yep. just like, I like they've been married for however many years, and he's still just like she's. He like gets. He's like sitting at the breakfast table. Like she said yes, <laughs> twice, twice. Roe kind of did that too. He was a bit more like very laid back. Roe, Talia's dad, Roe, was very laid back. Um, but yeah, he would just look at his wife and go, <laughs> she, she likes me. You know, that see, kind see of that, like schoolboy. Like, he's got like hearts around him. Laurent is like gripping the table like, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to do an origin story of their par- of their parents. Yeah, I'd love to do mm-hmm. something with the uh, Roe and Vera because they're they despite the fact that they're dead, they were really good characters when I thought of their backstory. And uh, also, it doesn't help that Vera is her face claim is Selma Hayek, who mm-hmm. I have a massive crush on. So yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sea Dragon also asked, uh, why does crankshaft mine? <laughs> have multiple veins, Molly. So, yes. Is that a... That's, uh, the answer is yes. Are um, we ever going to figure that out in-game? I don't think so, which is why I'm fine with spoiling it here. I thought you were waiting for it for the book. These people are here early and... <laughs> <laughs> no, we, no, no. friends. No, you should save it. No, I, I, I want to... I want to tell them. You want to tell them. You just, because you want to hear the reaction. But yeah. I, I'm telling you, save it for the book. There is, there is a reason why there are multiple veins. Yeah. We happen to know what it is. But uh, one of the things that Molly was really interested in doing is making the Fey Wild West a supplement. Yeah. That we can publish, which would reveal what that is. Yes. So my personal okay. opinion would be to... Not. Yeah. Okay. This is one of the. You're, this is one of those impulsive. Like I want it now, but wait. Yeah. So Art Dragon asks my friends and I have to deal with a lot of tech difficulties. What's the worst one you had to deal with? Let me let me write you a fucking book oh on God. all of the goddamn technical difficulties you, we've had to deal with. I will say. I will say. We have literally hundreds of recordings, and we have only lost footage twice. That is true. Yeah. The one one time we were able to re-record it, the other time was combat. And so we're this is that's gonna be in season six. We're just gonna be like, hey, we had tech difficulties. Here's what happened. Yeah. There was one in the previous Yes. The, the, there's the one game that we had when before we it was when we decided to be a podcast, but this game wasn't the main game. It was another game we were doing with other people. Yeah. Um and we were doing it. Again, we didn't really know what we were doing. So I was recording things off of the laptop 
Like we we plug in the mic and the mic was not set up properly, so it sounds really gross. But I had audition to record. I think it was I think it was on a, it, an audition. Or yeah, it was it not, was, uh, it was audition. Audi- yeah, it was audition. And so it was recording to a laptop. The laptop unfortunately was second hand, so we hadn't had a chance to like clear out any of the things that were on it. So there was very little space to work with. And because most of us at that table had ADHD. Or at least three of us did. We forgot to check. We forgot to check. So in one of the best, the best, like, sequences I have ever experienced in a game. And unfortunately, I say that because it, it mostly involved the three of us. Yeah. Even though there were two other people. In one of my absolute favorite, favorite fucking instances ever in a, in a D&D game that was a very great cause and effect and it's like we went from this to this and this is the outcome and it's it was the best outcome and i had i was like in tears i was so happy with how it went down i checked the recording and it had stopped 15 minutes in and we had been playing for like hours and i was so distraught like i was i was ready to just throw the whole laptop out and just sob i was so upset You'd have been a lot more upset later if you'd actually thrown the laptop. Oh, definitely, yes. But, uh, I mean, it turns out that campaign never went anywhere. That that campaign fell apart. That campaign fell apart in spectacular, spectacular. It exploded. It exploded. It was a firework. So, that being said, as far as technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. That went off on a rail. Um, We've had various technical difficulties just with, like, how the mic's set up, like, our surroundings. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but there are sometimes in the audio that you can hear there's a definite tinniness to the... We kind of try and cover it up with the fucking music and and sound effects and stuff like that. But there's very specific times that very specifically I can hear where the audio gets tinny in places and that's because the the air conditioning and the refrigerator turned on and we didn't realize how loud they were and we didn't think about it until way later because the way that we're recording these I know for you guys it's coming out episodically and you're only getting like an hour, an hour and a half, or maybe two hours a week. We recorded this shit very, very quickly. It was like, we got to the end of season two, like after a couple of months. Season two, okay, so we started recording in July of 2018 and we finished up the end of, recording the end of season two in November. Yeah, so. Excuse me. Um, so we were going through this very, very fast and we weren't really checking as often as we could have to make sure that the audio was good. And by the time we realized just how much of a problem that sound was mm-hmm. um, and we started taking precautions, that starts around season three is when we figured it out. And I think it's because James and Talia have a one on one and which we recorded separately from our normal like yeah. pattern because I think Maxie had to go to bed. And when we were doing it, the air conditioning, or not the air conditioning, the refrigerator kicked on because where we're recording is technically our dining room in our apartment, Mm -hmm. which has a galley kitchen right behind Molly, which echoes in fun ways. Mm -hmm. And then we have this wide open space, which is the living room, which we haven't figured out how to block off correctly. Um, And then behind us, we have a closet. And then to the side of us, we have a bookshelf. 
So we hadn't been doing anything to dampen the fucking... The kitchen is the... Well, the kitchen and the open space are kind of the hardest to deal with. Oh, this open space, not so much, but that kitchen just... There was so much echo. There's so much reverberation coming from that kitchen. There's so much reverberation and... There's nothing in the kitchen that absorbs the sound very well. Yeah. So when you had the air, when you had the refrigerator kick on, it was loud as as fuck. Also, the air conditioner is literally right above the microphone. I'm gonna take a picture so y'all can see. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, so but we because we were recording so fast, we didn't have like we and we weren't really thinking in terms of like oh yeah the audio is fine mm-hmm. you know and then when we got into it and actually listened to it properly we were just like the audio is terrible you guys yeah and so it's around season three that we start figuring out just how bad we were doing and fit and make very huge strides to try and fix it yeah so the audio gets exponentially better in season three and then from that point on it, it kind of stays pretty consistent but yeah so as far as our technical problems they were very much like i can't say that we're any better off than we were like a year ago except you know just trying to mitigate what we can with what we can Mm -hmm. um thanks to our patrons we've actually managed to accumulate some money for like maybe some more equipment like some sound things to kind of block off one side of it so maybe it'll get better but we're we're still in the negotiating stages of that. But but yeah, that is that is the technical side of things. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there are any bonus round crossover. Yes. Oh no. Bonus round crossover into the Feywild. Uh, that would be funny. I don't know how we do it, but <laughs> a dimensional rift opens up. Yeah, but who would DM? I Both of you. Can we go back and forth between the DMing? It would end up just the two DMs just like yelling at each other. Yeah. Um. I. Th- there will probably never be a bonus round crossover. Um. I will say though that bonus round will not always just be dispel and birdsong. Yeah. That is who we're following right now. Um. But we do have other ones in the works, specifically a spinoff. Yes. Of this story that actually takes place before. Five years before. Five years before. Oh, yeah. So that will, we're going to start actually working on um, and release that as a bonus round thing for patrons. But, um, and then later we might actually release it as like whole cloth that people maybe can purchase for like a dollar like on gumroad or something yeah for uh, not not expensive really just i don't want patrons to think that yeah you know they're not special and getting a special thing y'all are special patrons our patrons are amazing but you know so we'd sell it for maybe like five bucks mm-hmm. or something like that five bucks to hear it but it, it is a technically a a, a spinoff of the fey wild west uh-huh. there's actually Another story that's a spinoff of the Feywild West, which we'll get to later. <laughs> um, a companion story. A companion story to the Feywild West, uh, which had to be put on major hold because Corona. Yeah. Uh, but we'll figure it out. Uh, real quick to uh, to Kay or Fox. Thank you so much. I am really looking forward to coming back at some point. <laughs> what about me? 
I mean, you can come too. Thanks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck you all. <laughs> I was listening to the, somebody. Oh, I think it, who was it? Hang on. Um, Chris Parker uh, was commenting. They were going through um, bonus round, and he, he got to the part where you guys were like at the village asking about who had babies. <laughs> Over again, and I'm like, this is so funny. What's really funny about bonus round is that when we record it, I usually come out of their session like that wasn't I wasn't that funny. No. I'm much more fun. I was much funnier in other sessions. And then I'll listen to, like, re-listen to it, like, holy shit, we we're are, funny. We are, we are so, so funny. funny. This is hilarious. So, yeah. Not to toot our own horn, but we are fucking funny. <laughs> it's really funny to, like, to, like, go from a serious campaign to something that To is one that has literally no stakes. Way more lighthearted. Yeah. So just to, it's, a, it's a good cl- palate cleanser. And I... I miss I miss DMing that, but I was so bogged down with work this no, year that yeah. I just I could not continue with it. So, and I apologize because I really I know that that is a patron reward, and yeah. So we will get back to that. There is more stories for that. Um, we have other things that will be within bonus round, but they'll be. Yeah, so there will there will be more Patreon extras and more stories. Y'all, we have so many stories to tell you. Oh, we I don't know where we're gonna do any of them, but we'll try. We'll definitely try. I don't know how you know Rona is gonna gonna you know. I don't know what's going on with Rona, but yes, Jess, I see you. Yes, we see you, Jess. Uh, but we're gonna try because again, we've got. Yes, I do. <laughs> I see you. I'm standing right behind you. <laughs> you just can't see me. You're astral projecting. We have more stories. We have more plans. This coming year with season three, hopefully we'll get some of our stuff together to be able to implement them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Rhoda won't get any freaking too terribly worse. At least enough so we can like start planning things and actually start getting things and go, yes, star whales. Star whales. Um, they do exist. They do exist. So here's hoping. Um, here's hoping for a much better year than last year. God, 2020 was horrible for everybody. We're not even done with it. We're not even done with it. Oh my god. So, but I think it's nine o'clock. So if anybody has any questions for specific characters you would like to talk to, we'll do the voices. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing any of the voices. I can oh. I can do voices all day. Yeah, until, uh, except for right now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! You can't see me fuck clipping you. you off. Just because you're everybody's favorite, not mine. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my mom what an NPC was today, and I could see her face just gloss over. <laughs> like she's like, "So do you play the NPCs?" And I'm like, "No, Molly plays all the NPCs." Like. So how do you know which character you're playing? And like, I only have one character. There was a whole lot of who's on first. Oh my god, Sarah! My child asked me who the NPCs are like in our life. <laughs> <laughs> that is such an existential question. Wow. I'm convinced I'm not the main character in my life. Like, I am. I'm so I, I, I'm the main character in your you're life. You're the main character. 
there. You're, uh, you, Chris, you're the love interest. <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously the main character in my life. I have main character hair. I mean, I also have main character you, hair. Yeah, no, we, we, all, we all do. Yeah, no, you're right. We all do. Maybe that's just the, the ew, maybe we're all the main characters and there are no NPCs. On that note, we're officially going to cut out. Megzi and I need to get some more sleep. Molly needs to dick around and then get some sleep. Yeah. And... Thanks. <laughs> what are you yeah. going to do? Dick around. Yeah! <laughs> I'm right. I know things. Because that's what I would do. Yeah, that's I'm going to dick around doing. before sleeping. Yeah. So... Thank you, every single one of you that are listening. Thank you so much to the chat for asking questions. Um, if you happen to go on our Discord and couldn't make it tonight and asked a question, I hope we answered it uh, to the best of our abilities. And uh, again, thank you to everybody who was with us and asked questions in real time. If you have any questions, feel free to go onto our Discord. We have a whole, what is this? This is a channel. This is a, ch a channel. That is, ask me anything for the crew, which is mostly where people have been asking questions. It doesn't matter what it is. We will answer it. Um, and we will try to do more of these live things, at least for patrons, for sure. Because mm -hmm. I think that was a thing they get. Mm -hmm. But uh, we are working out that schedule and trying to do all the things. If you are new here, thank you for joining us. Uh, I don't want you to start with this. <laughs> If you are no. new here and you're finished listening to this, I have no idea why you did because you have no context for anything. But if you did, go back and, and listen to the. I guess start listening now that you know all the spoilers. <laughs> Just listen to the podcast backwards. Well, I mean, like a lot of these spoilers won't make sense unless you listen to the show. Yeah. So. Yes. But I will make one challenge, if I may, to our lovely, lovely individuals. If you are on Discord. Um, or plan to join us on Discord, which you should, because we have an excellent group of people. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite things is when the spoiler chat goes nuts during episodes. <laughs> so I, uh, and again, I have I have major ADHD, and my brain chemicals like uh, recognition for things. Feedback, yes. feedback. It wants the positive feedback. So, or feedback of any kind. Mm -hmm. But uh, it makes my happy, happy heart when people uh, go nuts in the spoiler chat. So, in the grand tradition of our trailers, having hints. I am so excited for the trailer. Tra the season three trailer will be no exception. There will be hints of what happens in the upcoming season. I want to hear your I would, thoughts. I would love to hear your predictions of what you think some of these things mean. Uh, there will be a transcript, just in case. But yes, if I could ask our lovely, lovely individuals on Discord, Is or even on Twitter, or on Facebook, if they would let us know what they think these things mean, I would greatly appreciate it. I will say that the stuff in season two's trailer were a bit more straightforward than the stuff in season three let's trailers. See you, let's see if you can top them getting arrested at the end of the season two trailer. <laughs> Okay, you make these challenges, and I know what's coming. So, to say that we top that is a ridiculous understatement. I don't know if that's going to be very obvious in the trailer, but uh, the stuff is, yeah. Um, 
We don't just top it. We dom it. That was terrible. Yes. Get out. <laughs> Go to your room. Anyway, we're officially going to leave. So that is my challenge to anybody on our Discord um, if they want to participate in that. And uh, thank you all so much for coming with us on this journey and <laughs> and being with us through this weird, crazy story. We're enjoying it. We're having a lot of fun. And we hope, that, great. We hope that you continue to have fun with us. And always feel free to drop us a line and and chat with us on any platform, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you, all of you. You thank have made you. this podcast way more than we ever thought it was going to be. So we love you all. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wash Stay your healthy. hands. Wash your hands. Wear a mask, please. Please. Some of us are immune compromised. And I mean me. Um, so wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay legendary. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to some of our extra content before the start of Season 3. The Feywild West Season 3 will premiere on October 5th for our patrons and October 7th for the public. In the meantime, head over to all of our social media pages to see all the fun things we'll have as extras for August and September. If you ever want to chat with us and some other really amazing people, join us on Discord. We have a memes chat and everything. Stay legendary.